Hello, happy Sunday to everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Always Right with Jeff and Stephen. I am Jeff. He is Stephen. How are you doing, brother? Doing all right. Good to be uh, able to wake up and serve another day, and I'm looking forward to the topics we have at hand and our, our layout that we have going on. It's going to be a good time had by all. Yep. So we will get uh, right into it. So today we are going to be reviewing quite a lot of clips. I liked that part of last week's show. Um, For sure. And, and, and uh, just I think we want to maybe gear the show towards more of cultural commentary um, rather than chasing the big stories of the of the moment. Um, so we're going to we're basically we're just going to start talking about what interests us. <laughs> and um, I, we hope that you guys enjoy that. Please, uh, if you have any uh, ideas about uh, our, our content going forward, please let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like, uh, and we will take that into consideration. So to get us started, um, even though we are wanting to gear towards cultural commentary, I think that also includes some politics, including the presidential race, because who your president is says so much about your culture and um, yes. and what uh, what you value as a society. So today, uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of stories in the presidential race. Um, the first of which I have prepped up is the announcement of Vivek Ramaswamy, his entrance into the uh, Republican uh, candidacy uh, race. Let's watch his announcement video. We're in the middle of a national identity crisis. Faith patriotism and hard work have disappeared only to be replaced by new secular religions like covidism climatism and gender ideology we hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an american today the woke left preys on that vacuum they tell you that your race your gender and your sexual orientation govern who you are what you can achieve and what you're allowed to think this is psychological slavery, and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today I am announcing my run for president of the United States. This isn't just a political campaign. This is a cultural movement to create a new American dream for the next generation. To me, the American dream means you believe in merit that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. It means you believe the people who we elect to run the government are the ones who actually run the government, not a federal bureaucracy that grows like a national cancer that is now metastasizing to the private sector. It means that the best ideas win instead of getting censored. It means you don't have to choose between speaking your mind freely and putting food on the dinner table. It means you believe these ideals Form the backbone of the greatest nation on earth that the rest of the world still looks up to as its example not the soviet union in the last century and not communist china in this one either that is the new american dream ask yourself if you believe in these ideas i think most of you do i think most of you believe your neighbors do too though you can't be sure because you don't feel free to talk about it anymore you might disagree with each other about corporate tax rates or about whether ivermectin treats COVID, but those are details. We still agree on our nation's most fundamental principles. At least most of us do. Yet the goal of the ruling party in this country is to convince us that we are divided. Why? So they can accumulate more power for themselves. Well, you know what? I have a dream that we can be one people again. We have obsessed so much over our diversity and our differences that we forgot all the ways we're really just the same as Americans bound together by a common set of ideals that brought together a divided, diverse, headstrong group of people 250 years ago. And I believe deep in my bones that those ideals still exist, and I am running for president to revive them. E pluribus unum. From many, one. That is the dream that won the American Revolution. That is the dream that reunited us after the Civil War. That is the dream that won us two world wars and the Cold War. That is the dream that still gives hope to the free world today. And if we can revive that dream over fractious group identity, 
than nobody in the world. Not a nation, not a corporation, not a virus is going to defeat us. That is what American exceptionalism is all about. And that is what we will need to revive to save this great nation. All right. So that was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. So um, I know a little bit about him uh, just for, from before he was uh, running. And, and I'll get some of that. Um, but uh, first, right off the bat, Stephen, your, your first impressions. It's a good ad. Um, he's he's very much an idealist, uh, and and he is he is in in a lot of ways an ideologue from that clip, but not in a bad way. You know, you hear that term nowadays. Oh, they're an ideologue, and it's always a negative thing. Um, but not if your ideology that you're focusing on is the correct ideology, right? Um, I really like how he closed up the e pluribus unum. Uh, that's a phrase that we don't use in our society anymore, and we should. Um, and everything he said was right on. I mean, it, 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 he didn't talk about his background. He, he didn't talk about any, he didn't play. He said, look, where's culture and, and American culture is the best culture. So yeah. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that he didn't talk about his background. Uh, Vivek is, uh, you can tell by his name and his image. Uh, he is Indian and, uh, he is the, uh, son of immigrants. So he, he was born in America but to immigrants, um, same as coincidentally Nikki Haley. Um, she was born to immigrants. <clears throat> um, but you look but at the tone unlike, of their their two announcements back to back. Right, I mean, hers started he, off with, "Well, I'm from Indian immigrants. I was neither white nor black. Uh, you know, I didn't get along with anybody." And he just went straight into the fact that we're losing culture, and our culture's fractured. Our culture's broken. There are people who are trying to divide us by our skin color, our race, our gender, who we choose to to sleep with, and, and that's just wrong. That's not what America's about. He went he went straight straight in punching, talking right. about what America should be about. Right. So uh, the, we watched Nikki Haley's ad last week um, and, and there is a completely different tone uh, in both ads. Uh, she was heavy, I felt, on the identity politics um, and a lot of typical Republican platitudes that you hear uh, over the years time and time again. Yeah, um, sure. I like I like Vivek's approach a lot better. And I would say that if this were a year ago uh, and we were dealing with a much more idealistic Jeff, uh, he'd be my my guy, front runner, like so far. Ron DeSantis isn't in, you know, so um, I I don't disagree with anything uh, Vic says in his ad. I don't think disagree with anything that he said on the campaign trail so far. I think uh, it is the wrong time for a candidate like Vivek. Um, well, tell us a little bit about Vivek, about it. Uh, Vivek or Vivek. Right. It depends on where you want to put the emphasis. Yeah. Are you going to put the emphasis on the first yeah. syllable? The I actually syllable. don't think I've ever. Um, talk, yeah. talk a little bit about him. Yeah. So uh, Vivek Ram Ramaswamy is a, um, a, he's a businessman by trade. Uh, he, he's a venture capitalist. He, um, he, has a history in, in several uh, venture capitals. Um, he was involved, I think, somewhat in the World Economic Forum. He's actually had to um, talk about that on the campaign trail. He, he's, uh, he is vehemently opposed to the World Economic Forum and has had to emphasize that uh, because it's been an accusation that's been thrown at him. Um, but more recently, he has been uh, focused on uh, demolishing uh, the what the ESG um, protocols currently going on in your your high levels of corporate uh, in the corporate world. ESG stands for environmental. Uh, uh, what is it? Environmental safety and governance, or something like that. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So it, it's it's basically all of the woke stuff that's entering your corporations, and and he's been uh, actively opposing that. Um, you know, companies should not be judged based on their quote unquote ESG score. Uh, and he has even started a company that um, kind of like J.P. Morgan or Fidelity that manages um, stocks and stuff like that. 
uh, but specifically does it from a purely meritoc- uh, meritorious um, viewpoint. It's called Strive. I've invested money in it, just full disclosure. Uh, he is left uh, given leadership of that company over to uh, some of his team. Um, he, he's no longer leading the company actively, I don't think, um, while he runs for president. Uh, some of the policies that he's already announced, he's he's been more policy focused than anybody else in the race so far. Uh, distancing ourselves, uh, in fact, divorcing ourselves from China. Uh, ending affirmative action. Which is a big deal from a venture capitalist. I mean, you're yep. talking about a, a, somebody who can make a lot of money. The China China one. He's yeah. like, no, we need yes. to completely cut them. Yeah, similar to Donald Trump. I mean, Trump understands the danger that China poses. Um, yeah. uh, ending affirmative action, which is something that you would never hear a Republican say these days. Uh, abandoning the climate religion. So basically uh, getting rid of uh, any climate policy um, nonsense. Shutting down government agencies, starting with the Department of Education, something you haven't heard since Reagan. Wow. Um, eight, he didn't fulfill eight, on that eight, promise. Maybe Vivek. Right. Uh, Eight-year term limits for bureaucrats, meaning uh, people that are hired into the federal government, not um, elected. And uh, making political expression a civil right, meaning it's protected by the Civil Rights Act. Now, I don't disagree with any of that uh, those policies, except for the uh, making political expression a civil right. Simply because I think a civil right, the Civil Rights Act is a big part of the problem of why we are where we are today. But <clears throat> that aside, it's justification for it, however, is that people are getting fired because because they're, they're right. conservative and uh, people are afraid to speak up at work, and so it's become uh, a monolith among all the corporations of leftist wokeism nonsense because right. nobody feels like they can speak up and talk, and, and there are so many fields where that is true. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, uh, if we don't have freedom, ex- free expression of ideas, because if your employer doesn't like what you have to say, you'll just get fired. And most people keep sh- uh, shut up about it because of that, specifically on one side of the aisle. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit as somebody who's not as in tune with Vivek as you are. You know his history, you know where he's from, you know how. I, I just knew him because I'd read a few of his articles, especially about economics. He's, he's written some great articles over the years about economics. I knew he was a venture capitalist guy. That's all I really knew about him. And so whenever he announced, like, I, you know, the 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 various roles started coming through my feed to, to see what he was talking about. And I was very impressed from the get go. They, you know, they would ask him about what he wants to do. And he was immediately talking about, you know, policy matters, which no one wants to do yet. And he's already talking policy, which I really liked. And then they would ask him, well, you noticed, you know, there's three people officially running for president for the Republican ticket and one of them being Donald Trump and the other two being Indian Americans. What do you think about that? And he's like, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't care. That's the most impressive thing to me is that he will not play the identity politics game at all. He's like, it's a non-factor. He he talked about how America is, is a meritocracy and, you know, he, he doesn't completely discount Nikki Haley. He talks about her service and things that she's done, but he he flat out says, I don't care that she's Indian American. That, that is a non-factor for me. The question is, are you competent for the job? And that's, that's what has stuck out to me from what I've seen recently. And I really, I really enjoyed that. Right. So, like I said, if this were a year ago, he'd be my guy. Uh, You know, I was much more idealistic a year ago. Um, I was less cynical and uh, I believed in this. We need something to vote for kind of mentality rather than something to vote against. Um, I have shifted on that. Uh, Again, I don't disagree with anything Vivek's saying. And if he were the candidate, if he were the nominee, I would gladly vote for him. but I think we are at the stage in our Republic where we are fighting off the barbarian hordes. Yeah. Um, and not externally, internally. It's not, um, I mean, China is a problem. Um, you know, he's talked, he's talked a lot about going after the Mexican drug cartels because of our fentanyl problem. That's a problem that needs mm-hmm. to be solved. I agree with that completely, but, uh, but, 
he's also doing a little bit of the the unity and come to get uh, come togetherness uh, kind of messaging that that uh, we see from typical republicans and there is no coming together with the left with with many many vast swaths of the left in our country there's just none they have to fundamentally disavow everything that they have claimed to believe for the past decade for me to even consider wanting to share a country with them and their ilk um and you need someone who is more aggressive at this time i think um you know, it's all well. I will say good. his policy changes, his policy changes seem to to work in a direction of cleaning out, draining the swamp. You know, um, if, if you're a bureaucrat, you get eight years and then you're out. And so that keeps that keeps a fresh cycle of people and they know they know they're going to be out of a job and they're not entrenched for decades upon decades upon decades. I'm not saying they won't be um, uh, actors for the left within the bureaucracy, right. but they can only be there for eight years. But it's nothing that will survive a Republican presidency. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, it, it doesn't matter that he's promising that because it won't. It, even if it does come to fruition, um, it's nothing that will survive. Maybe, um, maybe. I mean, unless uh, it's a law. But you can't. You will never get the the level of support. Um, it, Lots of things in our cultures have to change over generations to get that kind of support. Really? Um, okay. I mean, I, I keep I keep forgetting how feckless our Republican leaders can be. Yeah. About things that should be. Yeah. You'll to. never like I, I I'd be surprised if someone like Ted Cruz would even sign on to something like that. You know, like it, I it, it's a big ask for even your more right wing uh, congressmen and senators, but. Um, it's it's I mean it's good it's a good talking point it's a good idea, and my hope for his candidacy more than anything is that he brings good ideas to the table, that the other candidates then either have to answer to uh, against or pull into oh, their own policies. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah sure. That's and, and that's why it's good to have a good policy person in the race. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the guys that I think that if he doesn't, um, and I don't he think he's running with any hope. Which I don't think I don't think he'll get the nomination. I, 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 I think don't. he's running for a cabinet position. I think he'd be really good in the cabinet. I agree. I I don't think he's actually running with the intent to run, uh, to to get the nomination. Um, I, I feel I the same the way about Nikki Haley. I don't think she's running for the nom I think she's yeah. running for a cabinet position. I and and you know what? I don't think she's running well enough to merit even that. So, but. Um, <laughs> Speaking of presidential race. Yes. Uh, speaking of the presidential race. So I have something good to say about Donald J. Trump uh, for what? a change. Yes. So uh, Donald Trump actually got out away from all of his advisors and went to, out to among the people, which is where Donald Trump is the best. I heard it said on Twitter. This is the best yes. uh, point I saw. He has a superpower. And that is to connect with the American people because he truly and honestly loves this country. And I, I can't like I can't argue with that. He does like I, I have a lot of I give a, Trump a lot of flack, but the man connects with people and he loves this country. And he yeah. uh, he is best when he is not around a bunch of butt kissers who are telling him bad mm -hmm. ideas that he tweets out at four o'clock in the morning. He is best mm -hmm. when he is out on the campaign trail, yeah. when he is doing rallies, and when he is connecting with your average American person. So this is uh, Donald Trump buying McDonald's for everybody in uh, East Palestine, Ohio. <laughs> your meal, and we're going to get the meals for the fire department. Okay. Hello, everybody. What's your today? <laughs> How are you today? Nice to meet you. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful so I know this menu better than you do. Okay, <laughs> probably know it better than anybody in here. Uh, we're gonna take care of the fire. Okay. We're gonna take care of the police department, and what we do is all the people that are eating. Right I'm the owner, Mr. Mr. President um, Howard. I don't have to give you. That's right. It's <laughs> a good one to own, right? Yes, it is. One of the best. So we're gonna take care of your fire force. Plus the people that are in here, they're gonna get a nice free meal. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Nice. Good one, huh? Yes, it's very my first store. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So he just goes on and, and, yeah. and talks and, and shakes hands with people. It may like the man is good. Like the man is good one on one to people. Like yeah. he I probably just, know this menu better than you. That's, that's it's so when Trump. he's it's so when Trump. he's by himself. Funny. It's when he's by mm-hmm. himself. Like he's thinking his own thoughts and, it, and he's just he's like like Trump the philosopher is horrible. Trump Trump oh. out among the people is is gold and, it, and those words should want. never come out of anyone's mouth. Trump the philosopher. Um, you know, what you do you think he's, he's, he's philosophizing when he's on the toilet tweeting at three a.m.? That's Trump the philosopher. Um, and and like you said, the best thing he could do is get away from the people in Mar-a-Lago. Um, all his campaign up to this point has been failed NFTs and uh, trying to attack and crying about the candidates yeah. going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this is the best best version of Trump. This is presidential Trump. This is Trump going. You know what, guys? Yeah, I'm I'm one of the richest people in the world, and I'm going to use my money to help people. Uh, and and that's what people like about it. You know, I'm going to eat normal food. I'm going to go and I'm going to eat McDonald's because this is American food type thing. Um, and you talked about how much he loves America. I got I got two stories about that. Um, one I was reading, I thought it was hilarious that he had bought like a an estate in West Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, he put up an 80-foot flagpole with, like, a, a massive American flag. And city council said, dude, you can't do that. You can only have a, a 30-foot flagpole. And we're going to charge you, like, you know, uh, $1,000 plus a day uh, and, until you take it down. He's like, that's fine. And he lets it get up to, like, one hundred and twenty grand because what's $120,000 to Trump? So he goes before the city council and he goes, hey, you know what? I want to donate this hundred and twenty grand to uh, the VA. And uh, in in so doing, I want to put up a fifty foot uh, a fifty foot flagpole instead of an eighty foot flagpole. I know thirty's the max, but I want a fifty foot flagpole. And they were like, you know what? That sounds like a deal. So he takes down the flagpole. He donates money to the VA. He hires a landscaping company to come in and build a thirty foot mound, and then puts up a fifty foot flagpole. <laughs> so it's still eighty feet. <laughs> and, and so I mean, why? Because he loves America. And he wants people to see the American flag, and he's he, he's got the money to do those kind of games. The other thing, this is a a story. This is a secondhand story. This is from someone that I know that I cannot say his name. Um, works for the Secret Service, and he he has he has met he met all the presidential candidates in 2016, and I got to have an in depth conversation with him about the various candidates in 2016. And I asked him about Trump. I was like, you know, is is he who the media makes him out to be? He's like, yeah, he's a big personality. He's a Manhattanite. Um, he's loud. He's boisterous. He he's he's got a filthy mouth. He said, but what I can say for the man is, it doesn't matter whether he's been working all day and it's two or three o'clock in the morning. If he's walking into Trump Tower and he sees anyone in any type of uniform, go, hey, Mr. Trump, can I get your picture? Can I get a picture with you? Doesn't matter the time of day. Doesn't matter what he's been up to. He stops and he takes a picture of that part. Takes a picture with that person because they serve America and he loves America. And that's always stuck out to me. Trump's got a lot of problems. Um, There's a lot of things that I don't like about Trump, but this is the best version of Trump. And like you said, it's because he loves America and he loves her people. Um, The Twitter is so rabid. They were talking about him going and doing this and people were like, you know, he's not buying all those people water. He's not buying all those people food. He would never anything for any other person. He's so self-obsessed. And I'm like, dude, he donated his presidential salary. That's public record. He never took a dime for being president. He donated it. So you can't say he doesn't do for other people. You can say a lot about him, but you can't say that. Right. I mean, the guy is, it, he's not, I mean, he's not humble with his money. He puts his name on every building that he can get his hands on. And gold but... letters. He is not stingy with his money to the point that he he doesn't give to people. Um, and you could say, okay, well, that was a campaign move. It's publicity, sure, but he's still being generous. Like it, it doesn't matter. Um, it's still his money that he's spending. Um, Boy, did it make the Biden administration look bad? Gosh, like. I, and I don't have the clip pulled up, but like Biden was asked about going to Ohio. A few days after this, and he was just mumbling and bumbling. He's like, you know, we already talked about and and just walks away. Like it, it's awful. Um, that that's the kind of culture thing we want to talk about. Like, say what you want about Trump. He's got problems, and I think he needs to. I think he needs to rein some things in. <clears throat> But this is excellent Trump. Like, yeah. I 
And and I would much rather have this in the White House than what we got right now. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a one other situation, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right, let's go into our next segment. Right. So we're uh we like to talk about uh, all of the crazy and wild gender issues going on. Last week we covered a story where uh, Matt Walsh was uh, Matt Walsh, who was a commentator, uh, a podcast host on at the Daily Wire, was um, uh, accused of maybe being too mean uh, to Dylan Mulvaney, a pervert on the Internet who uh, wants to indoctrinate your children into transgenderism. Uh, now, at the time, I didn't really know for sure what, uh, like, other than a bunch of nameless accounts on Twitter, who was accusing him of being too mean. But some pretty big names um, apparently have come to light. Tim Pool was apparently in this vein. Uh, the Quartering, who is kind of in the games arena, but he's a right wing commentator. Um, and Trigonometry, who are an up and coming podcast channel from Britain. They're comedians who are sick of wokeness and comedy but all that you know is this really the way we we want to be you know fighting this fight is it you're not you're not convincing people of your arguments um so this is a clip from matt's show on monday let's see hear a little bit of what he had to say and when i consider that my own children must inherit this culture that dylan mulvaney and his ilk will prey upon my children and try to turn my own sons and daughters into mute, mutilated, mutant, self-loathing, hollow, twisted shells, just like themselves. Oh. Well, my anger then turns into a more of a boiling rage. And I know that I will do whatever is necessary. And I will speak whatever truths are necessary to protect my kids from this hellish, godforsaken madness. Now, I have... So initial thoughts on that, because this was coming at right okay. after he says something like people are not angry enough. You are not like he yeah. turned it back around. You're not being mean enough. Th and, and I agree. I mean, like we talked about this last week. I totally agree with everything he says here. My, my son has to inherit this 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 country. And so right. it's worth fighting for. And, and you can say, oh, well, they're just trying to be their two selves. They're not trying. No, they are coming after the children. If you don't believe me, the San Francisco gay male chorus put out a song about uh, we're coming for your children. They composed a song and blatantly said it. They could not get more plain. And then the social, the right, the right was like, oh, we, we can't talk about that because we're yeah. going to get called homophobic and transphobic useless no i mean his his rage is is absolutely warranted yeah it's more than i can count to tell me versions of the same horror story a beautiful and innocent kid one day seemingly out of nowhere gets sucked into the gender cult and is devoured by it the child they held as a baby and raised and gave their lives to and loved and still love becomes suddenly unrecognizable all of their innocence and light and beauty just drained out of them, replaced by this self-cannibalizing madness. For a parent, to see this happen to a child, it is a fate worse than death. I would rather be dead than have that happen to my kids. See, the thing that I most despise about Dylan Mulvaney is that he is part of a movement which actively seeks to turn my children into Dylan Mulvaney. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm entitled Preach. to my anger and to whatever language I use to convey it. I will say whatever I want to say, and I will be justified in saying it because these people are after my kids and yours and everyone else's. And you're worried that I'm being a little rude? Well, you see, when it comes to my children, the children that I cherish more than my own life, if you think mean words go too far, then you would be very shocked to hear how far I would really go to protect them. Trust me, words are the least of it. Yeah, no. So I know I know the phrase that got him in trouble, right? I would rather be dead than see that happen to my children. Um, right. Any Matt Walsh would rather be dead than have a trans kid. No, yeah. any sane father would predict. And see, that's that's the thing. And this is where Republicans have become useless on this topic is that 
they are coming after the children. All right, I saw something today. Uh, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of lefties on social media because I like to stay in that world. I like to see um, what they're talking about, what they're doing. And um, I saw a, a post about, you know, don't make trans illegal, trans not illegal. And then they started listing all, this, all the states where it's illegal to have drag shows. No, no, it's not. It's illegal to perform for children. It's nobody is outlawing drag shows. They're saying you can't indoctrinate children into this madness, into this nonsense, into this ideology that is taking the lives of children. 40% suicide rate. So would I rather be dead than allow that allow my my child and, and my any of future children that I have to be sucked up into that? Absolutely, because they would have a 40% chance of killing themselves. Do you not understand the ramifications of allowing them to go down this path? It's not hard. And Christians need to lead on this. It It's so, like, your Republicans are not going to do anything because they're not Christians. The Christians need to lead on this. We, we are, we've no. got to, we've got to do more. It, it, Stephen and I are talking about things that we can maybe do this year locally because these things are happening. If you live anywhere near, like just take Mississippi, for example, if you live anywhere near Jackson, I'm sure you can find some of this garbage going on. We know oh, we, yeah. it happens in small town Delta, Mississippi. Okay. We've got to do more. And it's not enough right. that, that you say, well, you know, we just need to keep an eye on our children and raise them right. They are getting bombarded with this everywhere. You cannot just focus on your child and try and shelter them. You have to go to the source of the evil and root it out and get That's it right. and, and, and exercise it. That's right. That's 100% but, right. Um, and, you know, like you said, Christians have to lead on this. Christians are, uh, they're, they're so willing to, to bear the shield, but they're never willing to use the sword. Um, and, right. and that's that's what the word of God is. And that's what we have to do. We have to cut down these arguments from the waste. We have to use the sword that was given to us. Oh, you have another. Oh, well, oh, don't. Oh, my goodness. I've seen this. Go ahead. So uh, this is a place that you can start, Christians. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white. God is Middle Eastern. God is Asian. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. God Okay. So, uh, mm. there's so much bad theology in that. Well, sure. Uh, first of all, he's, he's using, we were created in God's image. Um, so he's blaspheming to say that God is the all Holy these things. Yeah. yeah. He's blaspheming the Holy spirit, which is what he's doing. Um, among other things, uh, did you, I'm, you have some verses you want to turn to, I'm sure. I have, I have tons of, I have tons of scripture in my head, but I, I want to start with this. All right, in Genesis one verse twenty six, God, God said, "Let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness." What God meant by that, the Godhead. That's the reason that they say, "Let us make man in our own image," just because not God doesn't have they them pronouns. It's because that is the Godhead. That is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit speaking in unison, saying, "We need to make man a spiritual being." just as we are a spiritual being. That would be John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that is the uniqueness of man. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation because we are a spiritual being like God is a spiritual being. And so to say that God is trans because there are humans that are trans is the exact opposite of what God was doing. It's Oh, it is ridiculous. And I want to get back to the fact that Christians have to fight against this. There is no way that I would let somebody stand up in my congregation and, and talk like that. I, I would interrupt them and tell them they need to stop. That is ridiculous. That is blasphemy. But the problem is, is people have become so useless when it comes to God's word. They don't understand any of the Bible. They can't turn to scripture and they can't use it for its intent. I mean, 
Hebrews 4.12, it is a sword that cuts past bone and marrow. It cuts to the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And we need to wield the word of God that way. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. But yet Christians don't want to do that. They want to go along to get along. Um, uh, I, I have I have one. Uh, and because this is, you know, we, you know who they're after. Yes. So everyone, uh, read it with me. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse one. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and calling to him a child. He put him in the midst of them and said, truly. I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of of the sea that pastor is going to feel that one day that that's all that the priest pastor whatever he is um that that's what he's going to feel if he if he does not repent if he does not turn away from this madness god is wholly separate than man I already said john 4 24 god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth he is not trans he is not hom homosexual. He is not non-binary. He he's not any of the crap that that man just listed, even if whatever he identifies as, because, hey, 2023. Um, no, he is wholly separate from this world, and he has given mankind a spark of divinity in the sense that we have a spirit and we have an opportunity to be with him one day. But we have to separate ourselves from the world in order to do that. We can only be separated from, from the world in so much that we are in Christ. So to this this just come as you are and god will accept you kind of theology is bereft of scripture it is it is not what the bible says and all they're going to point to is well god is love yes god is love god's also wrath how are you going to how how are you going to unison those if you can't understand that there's going to be some that are going to be righteous and, and they're going to go to eternal life and there's some that are that are evil and they're going to go to eternal punishment you have to be able to square that circle. And, and if your whole theological basis for those kind of arguments are, well, God is love, then I'm sorry, you can't square that circle. It It's time to stop resting on your laurels. Yeah. Because no fight. your kids are not going to be protected with you just sitting there. You have, to go, you have to go seek out the evil and fight it. They are hoping that you will just take the... Uh, take the the tried and true method of just protecting your kids at home. And that's as far as they get all the other kids. In. But you have yeah. to be active. You have to actively seek this out and stamp as it Matt out. Walsh said, yeah, as Matt Walsh said, my kids are going to have to inherit this world. What world am I leaving for them to inherit? Yep. It matters. It matters. These people right. should be afraid to say these kinds of things in public. Except it, and we go back to the thing where there's not really free speech in this country because we're afraid to speak our mind because we're afraid to get fired. They're not afraid yeah. to say these kinds of things in public. We're afraid to get fired. They should be afraid to be stoned. Spouting this kind of nonsense. But it's celebrated. And it's celebrated by all the institutions of power. You know, people accuse, right now I'm sure there are people out there that are accusing us of punching down. No, no. When all, all the institutions of power are on your side, we're not punching down. The, the administration, they're on your side. The media, they're on your side. Hollywood and all entertainment, they're on your side. We're not punching down. And you know what? I wouldn't care. If I live to see my dream and it becomes illegal to be a communist in the United States of America, <laughs> I don't care. If all of the institutions on my side, if you are a communist in that environment, you still should not have a right to spout your nonsense. Oh, Jeff, that sounds like McCarthyism. McCarthyism was good.
and it didn't go <laughs> far enough. McCarthyism was highly underrated. <laughs> there's a there's a joke and uh and and I think it's probably based on Malcolm X. It's not a joke, but there's a, like a um a t-shirt that the X-Men people wear sometimes like later in the comics it says Magneto was right. <laughs> or it says McCarthy was right. Magneto was right. Oh my McCarthy was right. Okay. All right, well, let's go on to the next story. Yes. Yeah, so um we are going to talk about something going on with Southern Baptist, but we have a few more clips that I would I I, I just I want to get to this because I, I admire this guy so much. Um so this guy I don't even know who this on, guy is. I don't know either, uh, but uh, he did come out and admit to to it, it was him on Twitter. I, I I don't have that pulled up, but this is a as I understand it, I've never heard of this show before this week. But this is called Whatever, and it's some sort of I've heard, dating. I've, it's been coming up in my algorithms for about three weeks now. Three weeks has been yeah. the algorithms have been feeding me these clips. For, so for this has been weeks. making the uh, then I'm coming to it late because I didn't see it before this week, but. This guy has two clips, and and they are phenomenal. Um, and we're going to do a little commentary on modern dating. And said, Chase, would you rather smash the hottest trans woman in the world or the oldest woman in the world? Honestly, bro, the oldest woman in the world, because then I wouldn't be gay. Are you like, Chase, yeah. how dare you be transphobic? Yes, actually, what the fuck do you mean? Because if I had oh, sex language, with a trans sorry. woman, I'd be having sex with a biological <laughs> man. I don't want to do that. Because I'd be say, gay if I had sex with a biological man. That's not gay. That's and gay. I don't even catch up the fuck up, actually. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm she's, right. she's right. I mean, that's really Plus, hateful, she's bro. Not, she's not. It would technically be homosexual. A trans woman is a biological man. Sue me. It's true. Uh, you know what God said? It said he made the man and women. He made the man and woman. I just told you I'm not gay. I'll pass on that. Thanks, though. <laughs> Look at that smile. Biological facts would make people walk out the show. All right. So, All right, so just props to this uh, guy. I mean. I mean. Uh, well, okay. I, let, let's address the, the to start with. If he's not married, he shouldn't be smashing anyone or anything. Right? Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> The exactly sexual right. Sexual intimate relationships, sexual intimate relationships are reserved for the the marriage bed for for those who are married. But he is he's not saying that he's going around smashing people. He's playing the hypothetical, right? right. And the hypothetical is if you put a, a trans woman, the most beautiful trans woman you could find, you know, um, who's who's the real famous conservative one who who most people don't even know, like Blair, uh, Blair White, um, yeah, yeah, or Blair White, whatever. Versus you know the oldest woman in the world. He's like, bro, I'm not gay. And they're like, that's wrong. That's not how that works. That, that's exactly how that works. No matter how you work it out in your brain, a trans woman is a man. And if a man has sex with a man, then he is gay. That's how it works. Like, your, your twisting of language doesn't change that fact. That is how biology works. And so he's like... I'm not gay, so I'm not having sex with a man. And and somehow, I, I've, I've seen these types of things circulating online. Somehow, it is wrong for a man not to want to have sex with a man as long as they claim they're a trans woman. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. Well, you know, Stephen, everybody who listens to our show is going to agree with that. It's not going to challenge them on any level. You know, they're going to be, well, of course, this is just modern craziness. Um, let's watch this next clip, which I think might be a little bit more difficult for some people, uh, because okay. he's uh, he's going a little bit more traditional take. Uh, and this is the same guy. It's a different episode. Uh, it looks like an earlier episode even. So um, let's see what he has to say here. If I find a girl that I want to make my wife and I find her super attractive. Wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that's what I would do. I would make her my wife. I would ask her to marry me and then make her my wife. You say you are a feminist. You're 100. percent That is feminist. You look. You like, you heard me about, say that. Oh, you I heard. Make her my wife. Like. Yeah, because that's what I would matter. do. It's I, like, I, I'm an equal human. The woman. You, it's not about you. You say that. Make her your wife. Obviously, she would want to be she my wife. She has her own life. She wants to be your wife too. Yeah, of course, but she's she not going to go she's, to the club. She wants to do her makeup. No, she's not going she to want to go to clubs. She's not yeah, going to want to go to clubs. No, because here's the thing: that's a non-negotiable for me in marriage. Okay, well if then, I, if, I find, if I find if I find a woman, if there's plenty of women out good there luck. that don't want to go to clubs all the time, okay, well, 
there's plenty of women out there that don't want to go to clubs girl. in tiny little dresses and get hit on by guys all the time. If I find so, I, I like this one even more because beautiful. First of all, she's so short circuited. Like she hears "make her my wife" and she immediately goes, to, "What are you like clubbing her over the head and kidnapping her?" What? Right, no, right, or, no. You ask that, her that, to marry you and then you make her your wife. That that is the process of being married. It, it, he's not saying that she has no say in this. He's not saying she doesn't have free will. He he's going to ask her to marry him and she can say no. It's just such possessive That's, language, like you know, so possessive. And and then like, okay, well, like, and, and she wants to do all this stuff, and she's her own person, and she wants to uh, keep partying and stuff. It's like, okay, first of all, no, he's right. He's absolutely right. That is a non-negotiable. Once you get like, okay, first of all, uh, it we have a a few younger listeners uh, who aren't married yet. Do not, do not go to clubs to meet the person you want to make your spouse. You you are going to get the Do quality not. person where you meet them. That that is the quality of person you're if you're meeting someone in the club that you're making your spouse, that's the quality person you have. You have a clubber. You have someone who 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 enjoys getting drunk and partying and all those things and that's going to come to an end. And that there's that that's going to be a short period of your life and if that's where you're finding your mate for the rest of your life, you're in trouble. You're, and you're the person trouble. that um, not only that you find there, but wants to continue going there after they're married. Yeah. Is someone who is not thinking seriously about staying with you full time, long term. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's somebody who as soon as times get tough, you're, you're going to find yourself divorced. Um, so, so uh, you know, people, actually something people. Yeah, college students ask me about dating advice advice pretty regularly. And my advice is date at church. That's what you do. You you date at church. You don't date at the club. You know, you 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 want to chase after God with all that you have. And whoever can keep up, that's someone worth keeping around. And here's something that people don't ask themselves that they need to. Am I worth as someone who is worth marrying? Because if you're not male, female, like girls, this is a this is just as much as much a lesson for you. If you're yeah, not, good point. Then you sounds like you got some work to do, and it's not yeah. going to get done at the club. No, no. So uh, um, he, he's one hundred percent right about this. You know, uh, he, he's not for it's such possessive language. Like, yeah. well, I, I hate to tell you, but. Whenever you become one, go, go, go read Matthew 19. I don't hate to tell you. I love to tell you because this is what the Bible says. Matthew 19, the two shall become one flesh. You are possessed by the other person, right? My wife has possession over me. I have possession over her. We are one flesh. And Paul expounds on that more in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So it's such possessive language. No, it's godly language. You, you, the two shall become one flesh. That that's great. That's a wonderful thing. Um, so yeah, I like that guy. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen good, some good on him. clips. The guy that was sitting on his right that had the whatever hoodie. I've seen him going up against those feminists on the other side, and he just utterly destroys them. I've seen a lot of his yeah. clips. Just just wrecks them. It's it's hilarious. All right. Well, we did name the segment after it, so let's talk about some Southern Baptists. Yep. All right. So this is a story that Stephen brought to my attention. The Southern Baptist Convention, which is the overarching body of any Southern Baptist affiliated church in the United States. Uh, Largest Protestant has, body in the country. Has uh, elected to boot some churches from its uh, affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention over having female, quote unquote, pastors. Stephen? You know more about the story than I do. Yeah, so uh, th this is several congregations within their fellowship are doing this. Uh, the the main one being, uh, what is the name of that big Saddleback. church in California? Saddleback, thank you. Saddleback is the second largest church in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention Fellowship. Um, they, got, they got booted because when they, they 
recently appointed a lead pastor who was female and, and the Southern Baptist Convention said came back and said, we don't do that. Uh, why it matters to us is there was a church in our home state in our capital, Jackson, Mississippi, that also got booted for this reason. There was uh, some other reasons. There's, I think there was one in, in Florida. There was a five total. Yeah. Yeah. There oh, were, no, there there were was four. Six, six total, including Saddlebook, uh, Saddleback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Calvary Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi was one of the six new faith ministry, uh, mission ministry in Griffin, Georgia, St. Timothy's Christian Baptist in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Fern Creek Baptist church in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and, uh, freedom church in Vero beach, Florida. That was over a sex abuse related scandal. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, and so they're trying to ferret out some sex abuse scandals that are going on within their fellowship, which is good on them. And they're also holding true to what their biblical standard is. Un unfortunately, you know, people are like, oh, don't be surprised whenever uh, you go against the edicts of your denomination and they kick you out for it. Well, I, I don't care what the edicts of the denomination are. I care what the God's word says. So for those of you who don't know, and I don't have time to go through all this. If you want me to go through this, uh, leave leave a comment, and I will be glad to go through this. But I, I don't have time yep. to go through it right we'll now. Devote an episode um, to the it. term pastor. Yeah, absolutely. The term pastor is synonymous in the scriptures with several other terms: elder, overseer, bishop, shepherd. They're all the same position within within the church. Now that gets convoluted because our religious structures have become uh, ridiculous and. and uh, highly unbiblical. And so you'll see, you know, shepherds are one group of people and pastors are one group of people and elders are one group of people. No, that's all the same position in the Bible. And the I'm just going to read you what Paul told Timothy about the, the requirements in order to do this. If you got your Bibles, you should turn to them to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It is very plain. 1 Timothy 3, starting in 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of Overseer, your translation may say elder, may say bishop. It's also pastor, it's shepherd. It's all the same thing. It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Jeff, what have you noticed so far? Oh my gosh, th that's very gendered language. It's very gendered language. And it is gendered language in the Greek as well. Because, uh, you know, in, in English, we'll, we'll use man to refer to man or mankind. In Greek, no. It's it's like most other languages where it is very specific about male versus female, man versus woman. It, it is very specific. Titus, the same thing. Titus 1 verse 5, for this reason I left you in Crete that I would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Again, same, same type of people. Namely, if a man is above reproach, the husband of one wife. So, no, women cannot be pastors. They are not qualified to be pastors. Furthermore, going back to First Timothy, right before he gets into the qualifications of overseers and bishop, uh, uh, overseers and deacons, notice what he says in First Timothy two verse twelve. Uh, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Are you going to believe what the Bible says? Or are you going to believe what you what you want to do? Now, I, look, I have friends, I have female friends that are pastors. I still stand on what God's word says. I know that yeah. I know that's going to offend them. It's not because I don't love them. It's because I have to stick with God's word. And they're going to say, oh, well, well, that that was cultural. That wasn't the way it is now. No, 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 it wasn't cultural. As a matter of fact, whenever he wants to use an example in the very next verse, he goes, for it was Adam who was first created. And then Eve, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell in transgression. So. He, he, he says the thing. He says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. And then he gives an example. And his example is the first humans who ever lived. All right. It's not a cultural shift. It's a, it's no, a universal so, and eternal truth. Yeah. So the Southern Baptists are doing correctly here. Now, there's a lot of other stuff they don't do correctly that I disagree with them vehemently on, but at least they're standing on biblical principles when it comes to this. I mean, we could go to a ton of scriptures, and, and we are not saying, Jeff and I are not saying that women cannot serve. We are not saying they don't have a ministry that they can be a part of. I, I'm not even saying that they can't preach. I'm saying they can't preach to men. And they're like, well, who are you going to preach to? The other 50% of the population. Not wrong. I mean, come on. Uh, that, that, it's that simple. Um, my wife serves a ton in our congregation. If if our women weren't a part of our congregation, our congregation would be lost. It would be dead. It wouldn't be able to function. 
But God has set the roles of people where he wants them to be for certain reasons. And, and that's what he says. You can disagree with it. You can clutch your pearls all you want to, but it's plain. It doesn't get more. I got more scriptures. We can talk more about it. We'll save that for another episode. If you want to know more, comment, like, subscribe. Let me know. Send us an email. Always write js at gmail.com. We'll be glad to take an email. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. yeah. It, and Stephen sent me this story, and I said, well, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, and, and, and the Southern Baptist convention is right in doing this. Um, you know, if, if, if the, anybody at the Southern Baptist convention wants to reach out and we can sort of maybe identify some areas where else you're wrong and you can start <laughs> we'll like cleaning up your churches in other ways, we'd be, we'd be super happy to do that. Um, just, you know, pay us a, a small consultant fee and we'll be good. <laughs> <clears throat> I know you got the money. So um, that that is uh, the hullabaloo going on with uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. We have a few minutes if you want to talk about some of the worst wives in America. Oh, man, we're going to go full misogynist this episode. Let's go. Oh, yes. <laughs> so like these women uh, are not only, you know, okay with women preachers they're probably uh, they probably hate all preachers so um we we are going to talk briefly about uh giselle fetterman if you don't remember who giselle fetterman is uh john fetterman is the uh vegetable that is currently uh serving in the united states senate for was it kentucky Pennsylvania. 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 This is the Pennsylvania, guy that ran. You should be ashamed. This is the guy that ran against Dr. Oz uh, and won, even though he had recently had a stroke. And even though he couldn't speak, he couldn't could understand speak. spoken language. Uh, so John Fetterman uh, checked himself into a hospital for clinical depression and right, his full, wife. Full story. Oh, full story. Okay. So. Um, the only reason he continued to run in, in that primary was because of his wife. His wife was like, you know what? He's going to get over this. And she pushed him into continuing to run. And then he had a grueling general with Dr. Oz. And you, if you watched anything that he did, you knew he was not fully there. He was not only fully there physically, he was not fully there mentally. He could not string together a sentence without botching it. And then he would have interviews and he couldn't understand what the interviewer was saying. So they had to have like Stephen Hawking speak and spell uh, technology there so that he could read it and then respond to it. And so because Mehmet Oz was one, a terrible candidate, and because two, Pennsylvania's absolutely lost his mind, he wins the election. Oh, he goes, he goes and he's serving in the Senate and he has another episode. They don't know if it's a stroke. They don't know what it is. He has another episode, and he's so upset about his mental and physical uh, uh, self, his his inability to do things that he wants to do. He becomes clinically depressed because his wife has been pushing him this whole time. So what does he do? He checks himself into is it Walter Reed no, or he checks himself into um, uh, a hospital because he is he's really struggling. And what does she do? She takes the kids and goes on a vacation to Canada. So I have her tweet thread up here. Uh, it says, "What a despicable not... human being!" Yeah, let's go ahead and just share it. Uh, but uh, it says, "I am not sure. Uh, I'm not really sure how to navigate this journey, but I'm figuring it out slowly." One week ago today, when the news dropped, the kids were off from school, and media trucks circled our home. I did the first thing I could think of: I packed them in a car and drove. We drove straight into Canada and lovely Buffalo, New York. Pro tip, always have passports ready just in case you have to run away. We talked about lots of hard things and how we will all have to face hard things and the need to be gentle with all and with ourselves. We did some scary things, but we did them together. We ziplined over Niagara Falls and August got stuck. We talked about flexibility and the need to always have an open heart and an open mind. We also talked about how joy and fun can and must still exist, even when someone we love is in pain. And tomorrow, who knows? We'll try all over again. 
How ridiculous. Your husband is clinically depressed because you drug him through a campaign that he had no business being a part of because he was mentally unwell, he was physically unwell, and you won't even be at his side at the hospital to comfort him, even if it is just a few visiting hours a day. Again, going back to if you get your, your spouse at an unsavory location, don't be surprised when they become an unsavory human being. Yeah, it, this is absolutely devastating. I would be crushed if my wife did this to me. Like, I, I, I cannot. I, I, like, I'm, I'm struggling with life. I'm depressed. I see that I might be a danger to myself. I check myself into a hospital. And what does my wife do? She goes on a vacation in another country. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm, man, it just makes you think I am so blessed. Like, my wife would be by my side every moment. Like what, man? Not only, but not only did you leave, you took the kids. That's not going to help with the depression. Spouse in America, no. Uh, I'm going to do. Oh, we couldn't take the pressure. There were news trucks. You drug him through the election. You're the reason they are there. Accept responsibility for your actions, woman. All right, I do have my own candidate for the worst wife in America, Uh-oh. and it is uh, Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. Okay, well, so present your like case. a I lot of people case. know more. A lot of people know more about the the royal family than I do. But Harry and Meghan has been one of the most interesting things to happen in the royal family in decades. Uh, she this this shrew of a woman um, who is mildly attractive marries the prince, drags him away from his family and his responsibilities with the royal family, and just drives a wedge in between the uh, him and his family. He is basically dead to them now. And he is still so whipped by this woman. He wrote a book talking about all the evils of his family. His father recently died, uh, like his grandfather recently died. His grandmother more recently died, the queen. And it has just been a, she is a nightmare. So uh, of course, because they are geniuses and I love them and I don't watch the show anymore because it's bad, but South Park is just the best satire and, and, and does hit punches the hardest at everyone. I do they like do. South Park. A they lot. always have. Um, at, they uh, went after Harry and Megan and now Meghan Markle is so thin-skinned that she wants to sue South Park, which I don't know if you've ever seen South Park, Megan. That is the worst thing you could do in response to being made fun Bruh, of. They're just going to dig in. They're just going to dig in now. Oh, this is going to be awesome. I this can't wait for this to be in this the new slide from the show. Toronto, it's good morning, Canada. <laughs> it has been several months now since our beloved queen has died. Our Canadians are finding it hard to go on. All Canadians, that is, except for our first guest, the prince and his wife. We, we want privacy! We want privacy! Hey, thanks for having us on the show. It's so awesome to be here. It's great. So let me start with you, sir. You've lived a life with the royal family. You've had everything handed to you, but you say your life has been hard, and now you've written all about it in your new book, Wah. <laughs> That is great. So they just, and they talk about how, like, Megan and and, uh, Harry go on this privacy world tour where they want, they just go around to countries telling them that we want our privacy. It's so bad. And Um, and yet they they have red light syndrome worse than anyone I've ever seen. Like, if there's a red light going on, they're going to run dead for it. If you have a small child between them and a camera with a red light, you better move. You better move that child. Because that, yeah. they have, oh, they're they're awful. That that's hilarious. That is, and she's suing yeah. South Park. Does she not understand satire? Does she not understand? I, I, and I don't know that that's rejected? like. There's a lot of stories about her considering it. I don't know that it's happened. Um, so that might be developing. But I, I want I you to think can. about this. You're you're an actress. You're a Hollywood actress. So you became famous on uh, Deal or No Deal for opening a case and being pretty. And you become a Hollywood actress. You're a B-rated actress in suits, but you're an actress all the same. And then you literally become a princess. You are living out every Disney dream that anyone's ever had. Yeah. 
and then you behave that way. Like Kate was like that might be worse than Giselle. Like Kate that was like mo- mo- nobility. Like I think mm-hmm. Kate Middleton was. Like no, nobility. no, she was she was the first commoner. Her now okay. her her father was from the House of Commons and okay. not the House of Lords. So she was politically so, I mean, connected. She was politically connected, least. and she was very well off still, but she was not nobility, which was a big okay. deal. Okay, but she seems fine. Like she seems admirable. Yeah, she she takes her responsibilities uh, very importantly. She is raising the the future king of England. Like she's yeah. she's doing what she's supposed to do. And Harry's going around crying because he was the second. You know, he would. He, the, I don't know if y'all know about the book. The book's titled Spare. And the whole time he talks about how his brother was the heir and he was the spare. I was there in case he ever needed a lung. I was, and he just whines the whole time about being a prince. <laughs> they call it wah, wah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, good luck to the Sussexes in their uh, lawsuit, potential lawsuit against South Park. It's going to um, be awesome. It's yeah, going to be gonna, so awesome. I might have to, I might have to screen those episodes yeah um so okay that is uh really all the time we have on this week's episode of always right i i thoroughly enjoyed this uh little just kind of throwing some minor stories together and reacting to them kind of off the fly so hopefully you guys did too if you have any comments or critiques please be sure to include those and we will catch you next week for another always right Hey, you've just finished listening to an episode of Always Right. If you like what you heard and want to help support the channel, please be sure to like the video and follow us on Facebook or subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please consider rating the podcast five stars. And as always, please leave us a comment, whether hateful or glowing, as we appreciate the feedback. Tune in next week for another episode of Always Right with Jeff and Steven.